Hey everybody, welcome to Tatva Tuesday. This is Lindsay Warwick, uh, the conduit on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, the Tatva Tuesday interview series, I'm interviewing guests about their spiritual experience and their spiritual offerings. So excited for this week's guest, we have Haley Fix of Beyond the Horizon Yoga. Haley is an amazing being and one of my friends and yoga teacher training sisters. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Haley. Hey. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and get to be a part of this container that you've created, I guess. It's like you create this entity almost where people get to share their spiritual wisdom, what they've learned. And I think that's so beautiful. And it's so you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm just so honored to have you. And I just am honored to have you in my life in general. You know, I just have so much love for you. Mm -hmm. And just excited to have you here. You know, as this airs, it'll be the first day of March and we're in Pisces season. And I know you're a Pisces, right? And yeah, so it's very so fitting. And I'm a rising Pisces. So this is very like, we're just vibey. It's just going to vibe. Yes. So, <laughs> very excited. All right. So let's kick this off, I guess. Um, let's start with how your, your spiritual experience, like how did you get on the yogic path, the spiritual path? So it's honestly such a long story. And I feel like there's so many reasons, so many whys, so many hows as to how I got on the yoga path, but my first exposure to yoga was when I came to Coastal Carolina University in South Carolina for college, I went and took a yoga class and I actually was like, I hate this. <laughs> so yeah, the first yoga class I went to, I was like, yeah, that was kind of lame. Not really my thing. And, um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't too into it right away, which is weird. Cause you know, it's what I do now. Um, but yeah, and then I found out about this woman's circle. It's held by Leah. She's in the Myrtle Beach community. I went to that and I was like, oh, so yoga is like, it's not just a workout. It's like a work in. And that's kind of what got me hooked. I went through some things during that time that were very hard and I needed some healing and some community. So I was able to find that here in Myrtle Beach. And then with that, I got more into yoga and the physical practice. And then the physical practice became almost like a distraction for me from the trauma I was going through at the time, like a positive distraction. Like I was able to heal my body and help myself via yoga, which was really beautiful. And that's kind of where it all flourished. And then I was like, I want to grow my knowledge. So I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training with Stevie. She's amazing, beautiful person. So I did that. And I actually did not want to be a yoga teacher when my, when I did my yoga teacher training, I was like, I just want to learn about yoga. And even when we were doing the teaching exercises, I was like telling Stevie, I was like, eh, like, I don't know if I have to do this. Cause I don't feel like teaching. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> like, she was like, no, you still got to do it. Like it's a yoga teacher training. She's like, I think that you might someday be a good teacher. Like, you know, you should stick with it. So I did stick with it, got really committed to it. And I found that I actually had a, a passion for teaching, a passion for sharing this gift that did so much for me. And I was like, 
the way I feel with yoga, I want to give that to others. Like I want people to feel so wanted and like welcome on this earth. So yeah, that's a little bit about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think that's really beautiful. And some similarities, you know, I hated yoga when I first went and I was in college as well at Towson University. And I just needed to kind of finish my um, degree requirements. And Towson has a really great dance uh, program and yoga for some reason was within the dance department. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, I was very always into fitness, always into working out. And so I'm like, I'll give this a shot. And I absolutely hated it. Like hated it. I hated downward dog. I thought it was so hard. And I was like, ugh. And all I could think about, <laughs> all I could think about was, what am I going to eat later? What am I doing with my boyfriend? Like, what report do I have to write? What party am I going to? Like, I couldn't be there. But then as I continued to obviously go to the required class, I started to really find that it was a, and I love that you said that you said it was a work in And I started to feel the mental, emotional, spiritual benefits of the practice. And so I started like loving yoga. And then um, part of the class, what the extra credit was to go check out other studios. So I actually checked out a hot yoga vinyasa studio and a Bikram studio. Like, and it was just, yeah. And then after that, I was kind of hooked, right? Because you get access to your higher self and I also can relate to you on your reasons for teaching. It's like you want everyone to feel loved and wanted and included. And that that feeling of inner peace that you can really get to through the yoga practice. So I think that's really, really beautiful. And now it's it's so funny how we both like hated yoga and now it's like our jam. Yeah. And, um, tell Tell us a little bit about the development of beyond the horizon yoga, like how did that come to be? Like, where did the name come from? Tell us the things. So that came to be when I started teaching, I got more confident in my abilities. um, And I got really into it. I was like, I want to do this full time. Like I want to be a yoga teacher. I want to share this beautiful art, this beautiful practice. So I created, first it was an Instagram account and it kind of became its own, I don't know how to explain it. I guess its own entity, its own existence. And the name comes from, well, you know, when you look at a horizon, there's like, there's a place beyond it. Like you can't really see it, but you know, it's there. And I feel like that comes into like our truth, our higher self. Like you might not see it or feel it, but it's intuitive. Like we know it's there. And that's where it comes from. I love that. I think it's great. And you are a very, you have an amazing practice. Um, you, your posts are always so fun and also deep as well. So like very deep, but also very fun and flowy, fluid. Um, but your inversion practice is just chef's kiss. Like it's <laughs> It is so impressive. And it's, you know what it is too. It's, it's inspiring because there's just such a level of humility to you and, and authenticity to you. And I know that we also plan to talk a little bit about the whole idea of authenticity. 
So let's talk about it. <laughs> so I've been really like thinking about this idea of authenticity and it really comes from this idea of wanting to live a good life. Like what does it mean to live a good life? And right now I'm working with a lot of foster youth, a lot of foster children. And it's like, it makes me think about what does it mean to have a good life? And it also makes me realize like how little we need to be happy. But I'm trying to like refine the ideas that I can share with these children about like, this is how you live a fulfilling life without putting like limitations on it. Like someone might say a fulfilling life is when you go be a doctor and you get paid well. And I'm like, hmm, not necessarily for everybody. So how can I have these terms that are more accessible to everyone? And one of those terms is authenticity, having gratitude and speaking your truth. Those are the three things that I think is what makes your life successful, as I put it in air quotes, <laughs> because when you're being authentic, you're being yourself. And the, when you're being yourself, it's because you feel safe. So you reach safety. When you're able to practice gratitude, it's because you come into a place in your life where you are able to calm your nervous system. You're able to reflect. So that comes with gratitude. And then speaking your truth, it's related to authenticity as well, because your truth is also your passion. It's who you are. And you need, the world needs to see that. It's very important. Everyone has a magic. You can view it as everyone is like a puzzle piece in the microcosm of existence. We need every puzzle piece. Not every puzzle piece is going to be a doctor or a teacher or a yoga teacher, but we need all of those. Like we need everyone as a piece. That's why everyone's life is so valuable, so important. And I feel people don't hear it enough. I feel like people are not told enough how important they are, but they are. So that's a little bit about that. <laughs> just a little bit. Like, just a little bit. <laughs> but my brain is like, as you're talking, you know, because those are some profound and deep concepts like I love the puzzle piece analogy um you know lately and kind of throughout my spiritual journey I've been into Abraham Hicks like the law of attraction and they talk uh, Abraham talks about contrast and how we're all different I actually just was on the phone with my dad and we we're talking about like the issues of what's going on in the world and you know, that idea of everybody being different and that the contrast, you know, good and bad is what kind of creates the microcosm of life, which I love that verbiage. Like, did that just, mm -hmm. is that a hail that just came? That was just, yeah, it just came <laughs> beautifully, beautifully said. Um, absolutely. And like, we're all, you know, our own little puzzle pieces and, you know, trying to make our way in the microcosm of life. I love that you said that. Um, but yeah, the idea of everybody being different and there being contrast is what literally makes the world go around. Cause like, if we were all the same, it would be quite boring and, e and easy and right. it wouldn't be what life is, you know? So it's very interesting. So authenticity, gratitude, and speaking your truth. Love that. So how would you actually define authenticity then? Like what defines being authentic? Like how, 
Yeah, let's talk about that. I feel like we could go down the, let's go down the, let's take a journey to the rabbit hole together. (laughs) So I think authenticity is when you feel safe being yourself and you are your true self. A lot of people I think don't know if they're being authentic or not. For example, like I'll just use myself. There's been times where I thought I was being authentic, but when you're not being authentic, you get, I would say physical symptoms. Um, Not being authentic is when you're living for other people. And I feel like for a lot of my life, I did live for other people. I'm, I am a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) So um, with that, like, I always thought I was like, oh, I'm helping people. But when you're always giving yourself to others, you build resentment towards them. It's like, you're like, I have to go just do this for this person. And I have to go do it for this person. That's not the place it should be coming from. You should only be giving what you truly can give from a place of peace too, not a place of resentment or a place of exhaustion. So it can be very hard at first to step into your authenticity and listen to yourself and what is feeding your soul, but it gets easier with time because the reality is when you continue living inauthentically, it's damaging to you. Like you just build this continuous resentment, you build bitterness, um, I think it's manifested in fatigue. Like no matter how much you sleep, you're always tired. And I've been there. Like, I'm, I don't think that, I think this is a process and it's an ongoing process to step into your authenticity. But I think it can be feeling fatigued all the time, feeling shaky, feeling super anxious. Um, It can be a lot of physical symptoms. Also those symptoms are other things as well. (laughs) But I think that when we're not, living as ourselves, it catches up with us. Yeah, I agree. You know, I feel like there's been definitely times in my life where I'm, you know, in a relationship that's not fully resonant or I'm in a job that's not fully resonant. Um, I also feel that like, yeah, I agree. The physical symptoms, like the anxiety that comes with being in a place that you aren't supposed to be in, you know what I mean? I agree with that, that it can definitely manifest as physical um, symptoms. Also, like emotionally as well, like you'll feel kind of off center. And it's like, I really feel like at the core of all of us, like, like you even said, like sometimes people don't even know that they're being inauthentic to themselves until like time passes and their things are happening that are showing them that they're not in alignment but it's like, I think at our core and maybe, I don't know if you agree, maybe not, maybe you will, but I think at our core essence, we are just trying to gravitate towards love, like whatever that means, like being loved, being accepted, being wanted and feeling Mm -hmm. love and feeling good. And so we do all these different things to find that. And sometimes that causes us to be inauthentic you know like you said you're recovering people pleaser I mean sometimes like I find myself trying to play nicey nice like just to be liked or loved or wanted you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't know if you agree if that makes sense I totally agree with that (laughs) I know I think that a lot of times inauthenticity stems from wanting to be accepted like 
that's human nature. We're social creatures. We want to be part of the whole. We want to be a part of the group. We don't want to be an outsider. I mean, that's like a deep human nature thing. Like if it was way back in the day and you were an outsider, I'm talking way back. Like when we were monkeys, if you believe in all that, <laughs> like if you were an outsider, you would have died. Like, you know, like no one's going to breed with you. No one's going to give you food. So it's, it's a deep ingrained. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. Fittest. So when you, <laughs> I love your like parentheses. I'm quoting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, so when you're being, if you think about it, when you start to be authentic, it's really fucking scary because you're going against your, like the innate human like want, like you have to be like, I'm going to be authentic. Even if it scares the shit out of me, even if people disagree with me, even if I lose people, because I know at the end, like at the end of the day, when you go to sleep, there's one person you always lay down to bed with. And that is yourself. And you don't want to, you don't want to have any regrets at night when you go to bed, you don't want to be laying in bed. Like, I wish I did this or I can't do this. Cause I'm doing this for this person. Like you need to live a life for yourself. Everyone has their own life. They can live for themselves. They don't need you to live for them. You can live for yourself. I'm giving you that permission to anyone that needs to hear this. Like you can live for yourself. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm <laughs> feeling this conversation for sure. Um, and I think sometimes people will do things because there is a deep level of dissatisfaction with themselves. It literally doesn't have anything to do with anybody else except themselves. So yeah, it's like seeking outside approval or people pleasing, um, reaching for external things because the inside is not in alignment. You know what I'm saying? Right. That reminds me of a quote. I cannot remember who it's by, but it's not by me. And it's like, nothing can go right on the outside if nothing is going right on the inside. And it's so true. It's very true. Absolutely. Also, it's like, you know, I want to, I'm going to, can I'm going to go here with you, but do you feel that you can tell sometimes when someone's being inauthentic and then how does that kind of make you feel? And I feel like I can, and I'm going to speak on it as well, but I'm just wanted to kind of go, go there with you first. You can totally tell when someone is not being authentic. I mean, you can really tell. And I feel like when you get to a certain level of like energy work, you can kind of feel the energy of that, like right away. Um, and the way, like, I don't hold judgment for it, first of all, because I would say we've all been there. Like we've all wanted to fit in or I feel like sometimes even a part of your twenties is like pretending to be someone that you're not like finding like what fits you. You're finding your style. You're finding your friend group. You're finding a partner sometimes not that, that even really matters, but you know, so it can be an ebb and flow. So I hold space for it. So when I feel that someone's being inauthentic, I'm just take a moment. I'm like, okay, like how can I create an open space for them to actually step into them, their real self? Like, how can I open myself so that they can open their selves? And that's just being an example. Like, I know that when I live in my authenticity, I'm attracting others that do the same and I'm helping others do the same. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that's especially, as I said, I work with children a lot. That's important for children. Like they, I believe that before children grow up, they sense energy on like the most heightened level. I believe they're so awake and then society, like (laughs) not to get like, so into that society kind of closes them off a little bit, but like with children, I'm telling you, if I had a bad day and I walk in and see a child and talking to them and I'm like, you know, like nicey, nice, fake, happy. They're like, what's wrong with you today? Or they'll say you look different. And that's how they show you that like, you're not being authentic. Like you're not being your real self. Like it's like, they know. So they've like put me in my place a couple of times. <laughs> so working with kids makes me really think about like my own energy, what I'm putting off and how can I create a space for them to be able to feel authentic. And I can't create a space for them to feel authentic if I'm not authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh my gosh. I used to work with kids too uh, a couple of years ago and it's like, yeah, you, you cannot get anything past them. They can see it. They can feel your energy. They're like little sponges. And then, yeah, over time, it's like, I actually feel like I talked about this. Yeah. I talked about this at the event yesterday. Like over time, we just accumulate so many like layers and filters and it's all about like unmasking that eventually. But yeah, children, like you cannot, and animals, like you can't put anything past them because all they can see and sense is your energy. So yeah, I love that. You said that you've been schooled. I've been schooled too. Like specifically (laughs) like my niece, she's seven and she's just so amazing. And I was on the phone, like FaceTiming her and my brother a couple of weeks ago. And I was being, I was being impatient about something. And she was like, aunt Lindsay, can't you just like, you need to be patient. And I was like, (laughs) okay, you're right. You know, like, yeah. And I was trying to like, mat, you know what I mean? Trying to mask it. And yeah, but, um, that's hilarious. I I feel like you, yes, I can also tell sometimes when people are being inauthentic and I'll I'll say sometimes my ego is it, it gets triggered and I'm like annoyed, especially if somebody, a particular person or whatever has like hurt me or something like that in the past I kind of get this feeling of like well that's not how they really are but then I check my own ego and I'm like we've all been there like we've all made mistakes like Mm -hmm. I am not perfect I'm on this learning journey as well and also yes like bravo for stepping into your authenticity more or stepping towards your joy and your happiness and that feel good because really that's what life is about is finding like your joy and and um feeling good gravitating towards that so yeah I'll be I'll keep it I'll keep it authentic it triggers me sometimes like you know and also it's like yeah it's like yeah, I'm going to go here. Sometimes seeing certain things does trigger me. And there is a little aspect of jealousy that might come up too. Cause it's like, I've been doing stuff like that for a long time. And then like different, you know, recognition here and there, like, and then again, I have to check my ego and also like reflect about, okay, what's really going on here. And then it kind of goes away, but <laughs> Well, you said 
about feeling jealous. And I remember like just growing up, I felt jealous a lot. Like I just had to watch a lot of kids have things that I didn't have. Um, and there's also things I had that other kids didn't have too. So it goes back mm-hmm. and forth, but it took me a long time to learn that jealousy is not a bad emotion. It's not a bad response. It's really not. It's like, like any of your other emotions, you can feel it and move through it and use that to reflect. Like sometimes we're jealous. It can be like, we see something in somebody that we want, or we already see that in ourselves, but we're not getting recognized for it. And it's like, how can we change that then? Like, how can we change our perspective on it? How can we grow from it? And I just, yeah, I think it's totally okay to be jealous. And I think sometimes it's a good thing. It keeps us growing. It keeps us moving. And when I notice I'm feeling jealous a lot, because like we're human, like you feel lots of emotions. I feel like as women, like we're feeling waves of emotions like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's like, okay. And I know since I built a gratitude practice, like having gratitude for what I have in this moment, being really intentional with that, I haven't felt jealousy very much at all recently. Like I just, yeah, I'm just thinking about the life I have. And I'm like, I guess it, working with foster children humbles me a lot because how can I complain? Like I, you know, I'm a GAL worker. So I hear about cases and things that children endure a lot. And it's like, how can I possibly complain? I come home. I have dogs. I have a, I have a home. The children I work with, they don't even have a home. Like that is so humbling to me. Like it keeps me so grounded. Like, I'm so happy to have a job. I'm so happy to have people that support me and, um, to hang out with just, yeah, that job is so extremely humbling. Cause I'm just like, I have it all. Like I, everything, you know, these kids will write down, like for Christmas, they wrote down like things they wanted. It's like a house, a bed to sleep on. I don't want to get emotional. It's okay. You can. Like, I'm so, I'm such a crier guys. Um, it's a safe space. <laughs> just but like it's a public safe space. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love but you. It's so hard to read a birthday list or a Christmas list from a child who wishes that they had a bed. And then like, how am I supposed to like, it makes me come home and be like, holy shit, I have everything. I have it all. Like my basic needs are met. I do things that I love. I have free time. Like, and also because I grew up in foster care, like I do know in many ways what they're going through. There was times in my life where I wish I had a bed to sleep on. So that puts me in a place of like, yeah, of like deep, deep, deep gratitude. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I think it's like a perfect segue. I just want to touch back on the jealousy piece. I've learned too, um, as I get older, that jealousy is, is it's okay. I see it. And exactly what you said, it's, it's because someone is doing something that I know that I want to do or I can do. I just haven't put the work and the effort in to do it. And so I take it and now I'm like, use it as inspiration to do the things I want to do. And that I know I'm capable of. And then it's like a, a thank you. Like, thank you. for that. Me. Thank you for showing me that. And also there's so much contrast and so much so much going on in the microcosm of life that like there's so many people that need 
things, whether they're going to be from you or from me or from this person or that person. And so it just, just, it dissolves, you know, it used to like be really triggering for me. And now it's like, well, you're only feeling this because you want to do da da da. And then, yes, I love that, you know, we're going to just kind of segue because, you know, you talked about authenticity and then gratitude second. So we'll talk about that now that cultivating that gratitude, it almost makes it impossible to feel like deep negative emotions, at least not for a long, like not for long periods of time, not saying that, you know, life is rainbows, unicorns and sunshine all the time. Cause we, Oh yeah, it's totally not. (laughs) No, but you know, I did a deep gratitude practice after my last breakup, because it was very intense, very hard. And so I needed something to keep me motivated. And so I did the magic gratitude practice. It's like 30, 30 days. Um, The secret author wrote it and it's different things. And it just allowed me to kind of move through that more gracefully. But yeah, I love, I love what you said about just perspective, perception and perspective. It's like, see, like it's, you know, being around children that don't, that's very, you know, like feeling it too, that their only like Christmas wish is like to have a bed. It's like, there's no, yeah. It's like, how could I want for anything? Right. So checking yourself and putting yourself into perspective when you're feeling shitty and gratitude it just it's like this magic alchemist it just like shifts everything you know yeah a lot of people ask me um because I talk about gratitude a lot on my Instagram but a lot of people ask me like how did you get to that point like how do you build a gratitude practice the first thing I tell people is go help somebody else Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Go, yes. go volunteer. Um, you know, like I work with children that's really, oh my goodness. I feel like it just takes your gratitude practice and like, I don't even know, like turns it into a diamond or something just because it's like, huh, like it just teaches you a lot, but go help somebody. Like when you see what other people are going through, like volunteer at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, donate your clothes somewhere. Mm-hmm. Cause when you do that, you realize that like, your problems are temporary, not small. Cause I don't want you to think your problems are small. Cause someone that drowns in seven feet of water is just as dead as someone that drowns in 20 feet of water. We all have problems and they can be really intense and we all endure intense trauma throughout our lives. It's an unfortunate part of being human. And if you go help someone else, it can make you feel less alone. Like there are people suffering in different ways that I didn't even think about. And it can just make you feel really what it does is it makes you be less me, 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 me. Like you have less time to think about me, 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 me. Why me? Woe is me. Cause now you got to go help someone else. And I feel like that just, it shifts your energy and it can be a really positive thing. And when you're really sad, I think that when you're really sad and you go through really hard things, there's like this magical, like energy that people get. I don't know if you know what I mean, but like when someone's endured trauma and it's like, holy shit, they still wake up. You probably felt it about yourself. Even like I hit rock bottom, but I still woke up and I still did what needed to be done. And 
yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot, but it, yeah. So yeah, to build a gratitude practice, go help people. If you're ever feeling extremely jealous, just sit down and just look at the things you have around you. Like, look, think about the things you get to do. Like, and just know for every time you're jealous of somebody, somebody's probably jealous of you. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Like, really, if you don't build a gratitude practice, it's always going to be greener on the other side. Everyone has problems. So what set of problems do you want really is the question. Yeah. And gratitude kind of flips the mirror back to mm-hmm. you to, so you can see all the things that you do have. And then obviously, as you know, through, you know, doing a gratitude practice that what you say thanks for, thank you for will like manifest more to say thank you for. It's just like the abundant, it's like the ripple effect of abund- of abundance really. But yeah, if you are feeling the, the jealousy or the out, that outward emotion, it's really what's going on inside and, and flipping mm. that around to, yeah, what's going on with me? Like, what is this moment teaching me? And where can I find that aspect of, of gratitude? And yeah, I think gratitude is, it's ma- it is so magical and essential. It's like, if I'm feeling shitty, it's like, yeah, I'll write down like five things. Like, what five things am I grateful for right now in this moment to kind of shift that energy, even horrible situations, finding the gratitude and the positive aspects of that. It's like, that's a practice. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. And I think another big part of building a gratitude practice is realizing the small moments are the big moments. The in-between is the beautiful part. We always think we're working towards something But it's like, I'll use college as an example. Like when college, I was like, okay, I'm working towards graduation. I'm working towards graduation. And then I remember just sitting on the field graduating and I was like, I did it. But it's not like that moment that you're sitting there is not, that's just not like, that was not the best part of college was sitting there waiting to graduate. It's everything else. Like really enjoying each day, drinking it in for what it's it what it is, not wishing the week away, not like, I can't wait for it to be the weekend. Like, how can you wake up and love each day? Because that's like, that's all there is really. Like once you stop reaching, you're living. If you're always reaching, there's no time to live. And if you are in gratitude, then you're really in the, in the present moment, which is what you're talking about. You're not living in the future. You're not living in the past. You're living right now yeah it's it's like (laughs) yeah it's like whoa (laughs) yeah Yeah, but I, I love it um and so yeah that last portion of speaking your truth let's talk about it speaking your truth is really freaking hard because when I feel like when you talk about this stuff in the wellness industry and in the yoga industry, it's like rainbows and happiness and unicorns and like be yourself. And it's like, oh my God, it's freaking harder than that. Like to speak your truth can be very hard. Speaking your truth is closely related to taking up space. It can be so scary to walk into, at least for me, it's been very scary to walk into a room and be like, I belong here like everybody else. Like I've had to say that to myself going into certain spaces, like 
I belong here. Like, I belong here, Haley. Like, <laughs> we're supposed to be here. Um, just because it can be a confidence thing. But it's very hard to speak your truth when you're used to not being heard. And this is what I talk about with the teens. The So I work with foster youth that are also teens. And that's what I talk about with them a lot is being able to because that is the most important thing you can teach a child or a teenager is to advocate for yourself. First of all, they must know that they are entitled to a good life. They are entitled to it, like completely entitled to it. Um, and they need to know that so they can advocate for it and speak their truth and take up space and honor their own existence. And that can be hard when, because what I get a lot from them is, I have spoken up and nobody listened or I told my mom and she didn't care or I told my friend and they didn't take it seriously or I talked to the police 14 times and now I have to talk about it again. Like there's trauma involved in speaking your truth sometimes depending what you went through. And with them, you just have to be like, like, yes, you just have to keep going. You have to keep being you. Like if there is anything I need from you, you need to be you. Like, if there's anything you want to do for me, just be you. Like, just speak up, take up space. You deserve everything that everyone else has too. And that's sometimes a lot of kids need to hear that. Like, you, you are deserving just like everybody else. Why do you think you deserve less? Because you don't. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's really powerful and it's very beautiful that you are able to use some of your own personal experience right your life experience and then apply what you've learned from that and help other people I think that's really beautiful and important that's like what we're doing right as yoga teachers healers that's what we're doing we're taking our own suffering transmuting it healing it within ourselves and then helping others and teaching them like yes like it is okay to to speak your truth and um yeah it can be really fucking scary because it's like what if people don't like what I have to say what if people don't like me anymore what if I'm not accepted it's that whole it's the same type of shit of being accepted and and that whole authenticity idea as well like if I am my authentic self my true self like what does that mean for me and if I speak my truth what does that mean for me and so I think to be authentic and to speak your truth requires a level of strength and courage Mm -hmm. and integrity as well um And yeah, I think it's admirable and honorable. And I think it's really beautiful that you're starting to encourage children and teens to be that way, you know, Mm -hmm. because not all of us grow up that way. Like not all of us have that support system of, you know, being able to speak the truth, even if it offends people. You know what I mean? So it's, right. I think it's really important. And the idea of speaking your truth also feeds into the idea of being authentic. Like they kind of intertwine or. They totally this. do. 
coexist. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, words. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. And it's it's definitely been hard to speak my truth at times in life, like even when the truth hurts, the truth sucks. But mm-hmm. I'll be the one saying it. You know? Yeah. Uh that's that's so true. And one thing I noticed with both of us is we're like, it's, it's scary to be authentic. It's scary to speak your truth. It's scary to be your true self because what if people don't like you? And like, I wonder if we could change our questions. there. what if we could say, what if you don't speak your truth? What if the one person that needed to hear that didn't hear it? Like, what if you didn't speak your truth and people suffered? Like, why do we assume that what we have to do is not valuable? Like our existence is so valuable to others and can be so helpful to others. And we discredit ourselves almost. So, uh, yeah. Oh my God. I just got chills when you said that. It's like, I feel like we do exist for other people. Like, because really at the core essence, we're all one. Your, I hear your dogs. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, no, but that whole idea of like, yeah, like I'm going through a situation now where like the things that I have to do to do the right thing and speak the truth fucking suck. And it's mm-hmm. really hard. And I often don't want to do it. I want to give up, but then I think about the potential repercussions if I don't speak the truth, the potential other people that could be hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, you know, someone didn't speak up before. And now, like, I'm in this situation. And so now I have the ability to speak up and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Not just for me, but for other people as well. So right. it almost feels like, you know, it's, it is, it is, can be really hard to speak the truth. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, it totally can. And it's always worth it. There's never been a time where I spoke my truth and regretted it maybe a little bit, maybe at times, like I would be like, Oh, was that a little too much for everyone? But really not that I long-term regretted it. So. Yeah. I hear you. And it's like the amount of growth that comes from speaking your truth too. It's like, you feel like almost like something gets lifted off of you when you do speak your truth. It's like, like a breath of fresh air like ah okay but it is totally worth it and that is how we grow that is how we grow is doing hard shit also rest but doing the hard (laughs) you know how I feel about that doing the hard shit is worth it that's where we grow it's where we you know change and challenge ourselves so it's all part of it I truly think that being authentic and speaking your truth, no matter how hard it can be, is really just the best thing, though, for your body physically, for you mentally, because it brings a level of energy to the body 
and clarity to the mind. Because you can go to bed at night knowing that you did what you could. You did what you could and you were yourself. And that's a big deal. Going to bed at night with a clear conscience to me is like, it's everything. And being of service to other people is also everything and gratitude as well. And it's like all these things that are, they don't cost money, like literally like, and in concept, they're simple, but I feel like as humans, we overcomplicate them or overthink Mm -hmm. them. And yeah, but yeah, I'm just loving. I think it's, it's just been a really beautiful conversation about, yeah, being true to you, being true to yourself. Cause it's like, what else are you living for then? Right. Right. Such a good conversation. I know. I love it. Um, so we do still have a couple minutes. Um, if you wanted to talk, I know that you were kind of talked a little bit about that you were in the foster care system. I don't know if you want to talk about that or if there's anything else that you would want to talk about specifically. I can totally talk about that. Um, I am pretty much an open book. I'm really strong on my boundaries. So if there's anything where I'm like, no, then I'm just like, no. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, so I did enter the foster care system around five or six years old just due to certain situations with my family. Um, I'd never really go into too much detail about that, but it was very hard just going from one family to the next and like back and forth and it's always a new school. And I feel like there's so many things that you endure as a foster child that non-fostered people don't understand at all. And because of that, I have an extremely open mind and I'm I like to think that I'm extremely understanding too, because there's so many things I, I didn't know how to put them in words to share with my foster parents because I was so young, but now I try to be that voice for children. Like, so I just created an, um, an Instagram account called foster kid unity, where I share all this information, but one topic that I talked about, and I got so many DMS about this was when you go into a new foster home, how scary it can be to shower. You're probably like, that's so silly. (laughs) But so when I was in this one home, I would like pretend to shower. Like the foster mom would shut the door. I would turn the water for three minutes, turn it off, walk out, towels dry. Obviously I didn't shower. Obviously I started to smell bad. (laughs) Um, Cause I was like, I don't want to shower here. And what was going through my head was that I didn't like showering at night because it was dark. Like it's dark outside. The light was on in the bathroom, but like the nighttime was just so terrifying for me. Second point was that I'm like, I'm in a house full of strangers and I have to get naked. I've always had bad anxiety, but I'd be like, what if I'm naked and there's a fire and somebody has to come get me and I'm naked. And it's like, okay, first of all, Haley, they're foster parents. I'm sure they've seen a six-year-old naked before. It's fine. But like, that's not how my mind was working. I was like, or what if someone walks in on me? Or like, what if someone has to go to the bathroom and we only have one bathroom? And like, I just would get so scared. So I made this real and talked about like the options for a child like that. Someone could have offered me a swimsuit to shower in. Someone could have um, said they would lock the door or that they would wait outside the door for me 
so I'd feel safe because it was dark. And also I knew the door was being blocked. Like if there's emergency, I knew the mom would come get me, not anyone else. So those are never things that were offered to me. And I don't think anything bad about this family, but I was met with shame. Like it was like, Haley, you're not showering. You smell bad. You need to get in the shower. Like it was force and like shame. And that happens with a lot of things in foster care. Like I also didn't want to eat a lot of the things they would make. And it was like, well, if you're not going to eat, then you can just go to bed at like six o'clock. <laughs> so it's just very strict. And I just, the reason why I do what I do now is to advocate for kids so that they're not enduring things like that. And I educate foster parents so that they know a little bit more about a foster child's perspective. My dogs are being so crazy. I'm sorry. They're outside. They're being so loud. Um, <laughs> What, what can you do? Nothing. <laughs> but yeah, my goal is to also educate foster parents so that they're a lot more open-minded. Like when you get a child in your home, it's not like a child that's biological. This child didn't come off a conveyor belt. They have a different lived experience. Um, so yeah, so I guess my, the way I grew up has inspired a lot of the work I do now. If you would have asked me like a year ago, even if I regret the way I grew up, I would have said, yes, I feel like I missed out on a lot. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like if I didn't endure what I did, I wouldn't be able to help the way I do now. I think that what happened was a small price to pay for what I do for children now. Like I try to be what I wish I had back then. <laughs> I'm like getting emotional. Okay. Like I literally write down everything I wish someone said to me, what I wish everyone did. And that's what I do for the children that I work with. So any, any questions about that? <laughs> I, think it's really, I think it's really amazing. And I, I commend your vulnerability for sharing it and your bravery for sharing it. And yeah, I think it's really beautiful that you've taken, you know, your life experience and your suffering and have been able to now use it to help other people. And in a way that's gotta be a healing experience for you too. It's like healing that pain that you said you felt like a year ago, now that you're using that to help. It's like, yeah, to me, like I wrote an article a couple of years ago and I called it pain is the alchemy of the human spirit. And it really is like, pain you can use pain to change yourself into gold or not because we're sovereign mm -hmm. beings with free will some people take the pain and they cover up the pain and they just keep hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. right they take their trauma and then they're throwing their shit on everyone or people like us I can say in this space with you because you and I know each other you know we did our 300 hour Kula training together and really got to know each other especially on that drive <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that freaking drive anyways Guys, Lindsay does not stop for speed bumps just so know. you know you're ever know. in a car like we fly we will fly to <laughs> we flew to Tennessee the picture of you with the hand, your hand. So <laughs> funny. Hold the inside of my car. But anyways, it's like, 
you and I can, I can say that I know that you've taken your pain and your suffering and you're using it to help others and heal, heal yourself and help others. And I can say that I'm doing the same thing with myself. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not an angel. I fuck up all the time, but the effort is there. The aware, the awareness is there. And I think that that is a beautiful place to be. And I love that you're offering your perspective to foster parents too. I think that's really beautiful. And that's awesome about the Instagram account. Um, you're really good at social media and Instagram. <laughs> like, hey, remember that time I called you and I couldn't do a reel and you were walking through it? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But so, I appreciate I you. I appreciate you too. <laughs> you're so amazing. And I love what you said about pain. And I think with what I do now, my pain has purpose. And I think when you give your pain purpose, it's literally just less painful. Wow. Like yeah. when you can turn your pain into purpose, it's like literally disintegrates it. Like what I'm doing is very healing. And I will say it's also very hard. Like it made me realize that I'm not as healed as I thought I was too. Cause I go to therapy a lot more often now because in every child, I see myself like, I'm like getting emotional again. I'm like a wreck, but like in every child that I work with, I see myself and it, it hurts to know that the cycle did not end with me. Like all the pain I felt a child will endure it every day. And we don't know when it's going to ever end. I wish we live in a world where there was no foster care because everyone just had a good life but that hurts. And I had to get help at first because like every child that I work with, I was like, this is me. And you kind of feel like you can't do anything to help them sometimes because you are very limited. And it just, it was very hard at first. Sometimes it is with certain cases, it is difficult, but it's like, yeah, I would work with a child who just endured something. And I'd be like, oh my God, I remember how I felt when I went through this and it was fucking horrible. And I have to watch more children go through it like again and again and again. And it, it made me go to a point where I felt like life was pointless. Like where I was like, if we have, how can I, like I had trouble eating and sleeping because I was like, how can I eat in my home? And how can I sleep in my bed when I know that this is happening? And I started to bear literally the weight of the world on my shoulders, essentially, which is what you want to be really careful not to do because it gets heavy very quickly. But I just like, I, every time I put a spoon in my mouth, like with food, I was like, oh my God, like there's a, ch a child that doesn't have this. Like, how can I be so careless and so like, I don't know. I just became very judgmental myself, but yeah, go to therapy guys. That's, a, that's the point of the story is like, do not let things like, do not let things get so bad. You need to have awareness. Cause that's the thing, even though I didn't notice it would get that dark for me. I knew when I met my edge and then I needed to get help. Some people don't know when they meet that edge. So yeah, <laughs> it's very important to know yourself when you are going to be working with people that had like a struggling past or currently struggling. Yeah. I want to say like, you know, again, thank you for being so open and vulnerable in this space. And 
I am a big believer in therapy. Uh, I've gone on and off my whole life since I was seven. So I think it's really important if you need to talk to somebody, um, do it. I'm definitely a big believer in that and all the holistic methods of healing as well. I think that some of the greatest healers I've ever met have been through the most horrific things and they've healed aspects of themselves and they continue to it's a continual process. Like we're, I don't think we're ever really done, but I think that, yeah, some of the, the best healers that I've ever met have gone through crazy suffering or trauma or life experience, not saying it's a requirement, but it definitely, it's like, yeah, the pain, it, it becomes our purpose. Like, you know, I got out of a, in a very abusive relationship and I'm not going to go into details because I just don't think it's appropriate. But now I know that as I continue to heal that and progress, like yesterday I led a women's event and there was 25 women and it was all about self-worth and self-love. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still processing my pain, but I'm using it for a purpose now to help other people like get out of that or really figure out their self-worth and their self-love and so also still getting help along the way for mine as well it's like not done I'm not we're not done but you know we're never done (laughs) no we're never done and I do appreciate you know what you said about all of that I just like appreciate your (laughs) I appreciate your vulnerability so much this is what I wanted to say so Cause you're an empath, right? And so am I. And so we feel so much. Like I went to a meditation on the two, two, two portal. And, uh, we were talking about what's going on in, in Ukraine and Russia. And I was bawling and like, I don't watch the news. I can't, but when we called in the energy of those people, I felt it. And I was hysterical and it's like, <laughs> you did say like, you have strong boundaries, you know, with people, right? You're like, no, no. But how can we take that concept? And I'm the same way, because I'll take on everyone's shit. It's like, how do we create those boundaries and frame our own energy with ourselves? So we're not like, punishing ourselves for doing things, you know what I mean? So it's like, how have you like, have you practiced that at times as well when you're feeling very overwhelmed I mean absolutely as I said I got to the point where it was like so bad that I for my own safety for my own like quality of life I had to essentially protect my energy and um and I'm still looking into that type of work to be like looking into shield work and energy work in that way because it's very easy when you're an empath or just someone that takes on other people's emotions, it's very easy to take on like some dark stuff. Like, and I think that sensitivity is good. Yeah. And it can also be not so good because you, yeah, you don't want to run yourself into the ground. Like you don't want to be, it's like, hmm, it's like you're going to all these people helping all these people. And then at the end of the night, you're like, I don't know if you ever heard the book Flat Stanley. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like at the end of the night, you look like Flat Stanley. You're like, like you're just laying on the bed. You're 2D. Like 
Um, for anyone that's ever read that book, it's about this. I think it's about this kid who gets like. <laughs> My niece had to like take flat Stanley to like places and take pictures of it for her class. Like that's so funny. Ago. He's like this kid that gets flattened, but he's like just as thin as paper, and he just obviously lives. It's like a kid's story. So yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. I can't believe you knew who that was. But I that's did. how you feel. Like you go home and you're like, I'm flat Stanley. That's bad. Like that's not good. <laughs> so. Yeah, framing your energy, doing energetic hygiene, energy cleanses, salt baths, like all the things, just framing, knowing where you are in space too, like doing that spatial meditation that Mm -hmm. Sunny taught us, framing, yes, like really putting your soul retrieval type work, putting your soul like back into your body, like just being in the space, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's quite a journey, big big advocate for mental health, like help, help, go get help. Like, and you're worthy of help. Like you're mm-hmm. worthy of love, no matter mm-hmm. what you've done. Like you, you deserve to heal. Like you deserve to love and be loved. And I love that. Yeah. But, um, <sighs> Oh God, I feel like you and I could just talk like for hours, but um, it looks <laughs> like we're coming up on, on the hour. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Now, if people want to connect with you, how can they connect? What's the best way that they can connect with you? And what do you, what are your offerings? So they can connect with me on Instagram at Haley's horizon. So it's H a I L E I G H S underscore horizon. Um, my offerings are there too. I teach classes in the area. I also do one-on-one sessions. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Lots of yoga, lots of healing, lots of different things. I don't even have names for going on, but Yeah. <laughs> all the best things well thank you so much for uh being on top of tuesday i love you so much and wishing i hope everybody got something out of this and uh wishing everybody a great rest of your week and check back next week for the next top of tuesday thank you so much for doing this it's uh it's so Lindsay, like just <laughs> like it's so Lindsay to help people share their gifts like it's just so beautiful like you are always helping people share parts of themselves and share what they have to offer and I think that that's great and (laughs) you have to cry because I cried (laughs) but this is so Pisces of us we're like (laughs) and the reason why I can be so like you said oh it's so amazing that you're so vulnerable I'm able to be vulnerable because you make people feel safe you make people feel safe and comfortable to talk about these hard things with you. Like these are powerful journeys that people are trusting you with because you are trustworthy of them. That's all. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I really needed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm crying. Um, I love I love you and <laughs> thank you so much. Love you too. Bye. <laughs>